And welcome, everybody, to a Tiny Toons episode of the Animaniacast. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's time for lunch. Yeah, it's super bats. Well, I was hoping it was time for lunch. <gasps> Acme Acres is being devoured by darkness. You mere mortals run and hide. But I use my superior powers to save you. I am woman. Hear me roar. I know her ego is super anyway. And welcome everybody to another episode of Talkin' Tiny Tunes. That's right, we're back. It's a spin-off series of the Animated Cast. Today, we are going to be talking about another episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. We're going to revisit all of our favorite jokes and all of the cultural references that we could possibly fathom. And of course, in the end, we're going to give this episode of Tiny Toon Adventures a water tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me once again are my co-hosts. There's my brother, Nathan. Wait till you hear this podcast. It's superlative. It's smashing. It's stupendous. It's It's starting. (laughs) And across the country in Georgia, there's Kelly. It's just little old me. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, see, I actually took one from the episode today. You got one. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm glad that I was able to pick up Nathan's uh, little uh, line there because I was like, oh, (laughs) boy. Uh, because we did not rehearse that. Okay, well, yes, did. this, of course, uh, is we're back to talking about Tiny Toon Adventures. That's right. We're This is an episode that was chosen by our supporters over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Animaniacast. And they voted on it, and Cinemaniacs was the one that came up on top. Well, actually, it was tied with another episode, but Kelly was the tiebreaker, and after I saw, like, the segments of this, it was really no contest, I think, when, because because <laughs> this one is dealing with movies. This one's dealing with parodying movies. Uh, so we have a parody of uh, Superman, or Supergirl, perhaps, and uh, then, of course, we have a Star Trek parody, and then we have a parody of Indiana Jones. Yay! So, it's, yeah, 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 Kelly... Definitely pick this one. You know, I uh, if someone were to ask you about this episode of Tiny Toon Adventures, episode 19 from the first season, Cinemaniacs, what would you tell them, Nathan? Uh, it's like uh, going to the theater and theater hopping into a bunch of different movies. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, Kelly, what about you? House Spielbergian. Ooh. And I would just say this one was so much... I would just say fun. This was a very fun episode for me. And I got to say, it was just so much fun to get back. I love going back to these classic episodes, whether it's Tiny Toons or uh, our next discussion will be about Pinky and the Brain. And then after that, we'll be going back. To, we're going to the second season of Freakazoid. It's just so much fun to go do these episodes because that way you're not. It's especially with Tiny Toons. These folks are not 
when they were making these episodes, you could tell they're not necessarily as worried about cultural references and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But they're just doing send-ups to comedy and just Looney Tunes in general. You know, this is... um. This is just good stuff, and I felt so good after watching this. I actually kept watching Tiny Toons after this. I just kept, I just let Hulu just keep going, and I just watched the next four or five episodes as I was working on other stuff, and just had it playing in the background, and got to re- revisit all of these other moments that I haven't seen for, gosh, more than twenty years, but I still remember them, and so it's super fun. Well. Uh, let's go ahead and get right into our discussion. But before we do, we got to get our, well, gosh, it's been so long since I've called it anything else. <laughs> what's, what, what do we call this? It's the trivia. What, what's the trivia? What tri- happened on this day? I don't what, know. I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's been, it was, it's been like a year since we did this. <laughs> and now I totally forgot to what this segment tune. is even called. It's like the, the it's not November fifth tr- uh, trivia, no, or whatever. No. It's it's because it's just what happened. But uh, what I, happened on this day? Okay, I think Nathan, is what you said okay. Then Nathan, give us the what happened on this day theme song. What? There was never a theme song. Yes, there is today. What you had to? You I thought you wrote it. <laughs> I did write the song and it goes like this. What happened on this day theme song? It goes like this. The song I sing. This is what happened on this day. Hey. Okay. Yay. What happened on this day, Nathan? <laughs> what day? Oh, Wednesday, October 10th, you mean? Of 1990? Yes. Yeah, that um, day. Yeah. So this day. Oh, man. Uh, Thalia, uh, the musician and actress. Uh, she releases her debut album, Thalia. Hmm. Thalia. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, five Inch Nails releases their third album, Sin. And this wait, is just five five inch nails. Oh wait, what is it? Six inch nails? What is that? I thought it was nine inch, inch nine, nine inch nails. Nine inch nails. <laughs> I um, that's what it. Well, I had did capital nine, so it came out as a an open parentheses. So then I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know what letter that is, but. <laughs> oh, Thal- and the singer I believe is Thalia, because ah, it's, no. it's, there's an accent over so. the I. I just I typed in T H A L I A. Yeah, Thalia, because there's an accent mark on the I. No, I don't think so. Thalia. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, a Mex- true fan. She's of She's a hers. singer in Mexico. So. She's a Mexican singer. What's one of her favorite? What's one of your favorite songs of hers? Name? Um, the Thalia. Oh, the song. Her, oh, her her song all about herself. Yeah. Oh, right. that's a good one. Okay. It kind of, well, it sounds a lot like the song I sang for the <laughs> Oh wow, she's really talented. So you know it's then. good. Um, and this was also two days before the release of the movie Mr. Destiny, which I don't know if you remember that one. I do I, so that was one that, movie I kind of remember. Isn't that with like Jim Belushi or something mm-hmm. in it? And he's like, What if I had was good at baseball or something? <laughs> I saw that in the drive in <laughs> theater with my youth group. And I don't remember anything about it other than there was Jim Belushi on the screen. And and uh, I think I was more focused on the girl I had a crush on that was there. Ah, uh, but was she in the movie? She uh, uh, basically because I kept looking at her probably more than the movie screen. But yeah, well, Jim Belushi, spoiler, finds out that his life was fine just as it was. Oh, it's one of those movies. Where... The secret of life was his friends. OK, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
All right. Well, is that is that is that all we got, Nathan? That's that's everything that happened on this day. Wow. So the well, last one didn't even happen on the day, but <laughs> <laughs> happened close enough. Close enough. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into our episode discussion, and we're going to start off with the basic uh, premise. This is so the Buster and Babs. They're doing like well, they're going to the theater, and they go to this huge multiplex, huge multiplex. And it's playing all these different, uh, well, movies. And uh, you, I saw some of them up on this on this big uh, sign. One of them was uh, Rocco Twelve, like you know Rocky, because Rocky had so many sequels. I love it how like uh, I thought by now there would be done they would be done with Rocky films, but yet they they really do keep st- still making them. In fact, my. My principal at my school said there's another, like, not Apollo Creed, you know, or Creed a sequel coming out, but a real Rocky one where Sylvester Stallone is actually going back into the ring again, which sounds insane to me. That's just what I heard. I don't know how. I'll never you, be able to top Rocky Four. I would break you. That was, <laughs> I, I think it's not very popular amongst the series, but it, that's the one I saw in the movie theater, and I, I just loved it. It's literally the only Rocky film I think I've ever seen, because um, it had such an impact on me as a kid. Um, it, it was just visually, like, I remember that, I, can't, I always talked about it with my friends, the one scene where they're they're punching this, like, scale or something like that to show how hard they can punch, and then... Uh, Drago is that the Russian guy? He punches it and it breaks. It's like, whoa, he's that strong. Um, and USA wins. Take that, Ruskies. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> there was other films up on the uh, on the things. There was one. Some of this gets kind of mixed up because it's it's like a. It's, you know, it's taken to a foreign animation department and then they kind of look at see what it should be. And then they kind of change the letters a little bit. One was called Jank's Bomb Cob. J-A-N-C-H-S Bomb and then Cob. And it was like a bomb cob. (laughs) What's that? Turns out bomb cob is something you can actually get. It's a... (laughs) It's it's like a lote, and <laughs> it's done like a bomb pop, but I don't think that's what they're referring to. I think it might be something like James Bomb, like instead of James Bond, maybe. Yeah. So maybe mm-hmm. it was maybe it was Jonks Jonks Bomb was supposed to be James Bond or something like that. There was also a a movie that looks like it was supposed to say Abysmal with a, but they put an H there instead of an A, so it says Abysmal. Um, and I think it's parroting the abyss right yeah. there. Um, there's also license to hunt instead of license to kill. So again, I guess it's another James Bond thing. And then way, way at the end of the movie, which I might as well talk about now because it's, it's on a sign. Uh, at the very top of the sign, there's ghost breakers, uh, which obviously that's parroting Ghostbusters, but it was actually, the title Ghostbreakers was an alternate title they were thinking about using for the movie Ghostbusters at one point because they did not know if they were going to be able to use the word Ghostbusters. 
because there was like there was like the, oh, um, the the show there was the show and there was yeah I guess the show itself had not been really up and running for years um, but it was like this live action Ghostbusters which uh, they owned the term Ghostbusters so they were negotiating trying to use it and then for a few years after Ghostbusters came out before the real Ghostbusters came out there was that <laughs> horrible cartoon. And Nathan, do you remember Kelly? Do you remember this cartoon? It was like, yeah, I watched it. I I, I had to watch it too because there was I was very confused by it, but yeah, I watched it. and it was this cartoon where you had the Ghostbusters there, and they had this gorilla with them. Let's go, was very confusing and mm. i remember watching it as a kid going wait which one's peter is that one peter is the blonde is the blonde one peter and then the other guy is ray and who's the gorilla like what is going on here but i guess it was all based upon the original kind of live actiony kind of cartoon show that they had in the early 80s late 70s where yeah. It, so when the cartoon came out, they had to say the real real Ghostbusters, <laughs> not these. And yeah, yeah. Which, thank goodness that cartoon came out because that other cartoon was horrible. But it still had toys and everything too. It was they, there was a time where we had no choice but to go with the uh, the bad version <laughs> for like a year or two. Uh, they go to the movie theater, Buster and Babs do, and Buster orders ten million tickets. Ten tickets please 10 million yeah one for you one for me and one for each of our pals and i thought to myself are there really 10 million people watching (laughs) like that's one thing i would have to like ask tom about like did were were there really ever 10 million people watching tiny toon adventures i don't think they knew at the time because this is a very early episode but yeah it was like the 19th episode or something yeah they were pretty ambitious thinking 10 million people are especially now if you got 10 million views on a TV show, that would be a very popular TV show, I would think. Mm-hmm. With everything, how everything's, there's so much content out there. Well, anyway, so the curtain pulls back on this. Uh, oh, yeah, they go they go to Monty. Monty tells, Montana Max says, uh, no theater hopping. Keep your stubs and no theater hopping. Hopping? What do we look like? Rabbits? <laughs> They go to the the first movie. The first movie they watch is uh, Super Babs. And Super Babs was directed by Art Vitello, and it was written by Sherry Stoner, Tom Minton, and Wayne Katz. So the curtain pulls back when uh, Buster and Babs go there, which I... I don't know. I, I seem to remember this happening in movie theaters more often. Today, when I think when you go to most movie theaters, the curtains are already drawn, you know, withdrawn and you have the previews and everything like that. But maybe, I don't know, Nathan would remember this since, you know, you're younger than me and Kelly. But Kelly, do you remember this at all in any movie theaters, going to a theater and then having the, the curtains draw back at all? Or is this... Some of them, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think it still happens at like the Fox Theater. Um, okay. The one in Atlanta. But um, and so maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I've seen movies there too. But uh, yeah, I, I, I can 
I, I, I seem I seem to I just think it's very rare that it happens these days because now it's you know whereas before you would keep it closed now you have to show that's a great opportunity to give show people constant advertisements and previews and who knows what else uh, during the ten to twenty minutes before the movie starts so and I also like, seemed mm-hmm. they used to do the same thing at like Chuck E Cheese where they would close the curtains and then eventually they just left the curtains open I remember that open. yeah just like, yeah Nathan, Nathan and I both worked at Chuck E Cheese for many years oh, and wow. it and it really did annoy me when they just decided to just keep the curtains up at that restaurant the entire time because there would just be these robots asleep. <laughs> with their eyes closed and i was just like why but they had Maybe. kids but they had literally kids that there were one or two times where the curtain would raise and a kid would hold onto the curtain and got lifted up oh, like wow. which is uh, gosh 15 feet above the the because it's already like about four feet or so above mm-hmm. uh the kids would grab it and then if you got lifted up that would lift you probably another eight feet so probably yeah. at least 12 feet off the floor these ki- that kid would be lifted up there so i could see why they uh eventually just turned it off as also a safety thing but it really annoyed me when i was especially dressed up as chuck e cheese to see a robot chuck e cheese up there and it was like you're ruining the the magic <laughs> there can't be two chuckies here uh, but anyway, yeah, I do remember the the the, mo- the uh, movie theaters having that curtain because I think there was a couple times where the movie started or the preview started and the curtain had not yet retracted. So we were started to watch the previews and stuff on a really kind of wavy screen. It was really annoying. So well, then, anyway, like for birthdays and things that like Chucky come off the stage and like. It's supposed to turn around, yes. you know, the curtains down. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And the then whole... they would just like have it turn around while the curtain's up. And I'm yeah. like, what's the point of that? That's dumb. Shouldn't like... you just? Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. That was like the whole magic of like, yeah, it reminded me of of like the Batcave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to have a Batcave playset where you put Bruce Wayne on one side and then you you closed the door and then you turned this thing and then the batman action figure would be on the other side and he so falls like, down immediately <laughs> yeah you fall out um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm fine <laughs> but We're a joker. I, <laughs> um but i remember that yeah as a as a cool like magic effect basically people would actually freak i do remember that when people with the curtain go up and chucky was actually moving around people go wow you messed up chucky e. cheese that's why all your yeah. places are going bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's all because of the curtain. Anyway, that was that was your 20-minute discussion on a curtain. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, let's go to Super Babs. So Super Babs is, well, it's the story of, you know, Super Babs. And she's, they, they have this great announcer, you know, doing the whole introduction to her as the strange visitor from another planet. Yes, Super Babs, strange bunny from another planet who came to Acme Acres to fight for truth, justice, and rock and roll. Looks a lot like the Superman cartoons of uh, the Fleischer era. I always really liked the uh, the Fleischer cartoons, especially uh, with growing up with the uh, Batman the Animated Series and then seeing essentially the influence for those cartoons and seeing how they matched up. Um, I don't know. We I think we've you've seen a few of those, right, Nathan? The original Superman cartoons? Um, I Yeah, I vaguely remember. I just remember um, he could change outfits really quick or something, right? Like... <laughs> 
Superman also could not fly in the original. He could just jump over, you know, buildings and mm-hmm. go over buildings in a single bound. But he just he wasn't really flying. He was more like falling gracefully, I suppose, with that cape. Anyway, he at one point says uh, the line that Kelly says, uh, or, or should say she says, just oh, it's just little old me. It's just little old me. Which I thought, oh, that's very cute. Also, what is that from? Is that from something? So I did a little research into that. And what I could find is actually in Underdog. And in Underdog, the cartoon, they would say, oh, look, it's a, you know, it's a bird, it's a plane, or whatever the equivalent was on that cartoon. And then he would say, no, it's just little old me, Underdog. Like that. It's so. also something we say in the South. <laughs> yeah. She said I mean, it, it. It may have started with Underdog. <laughs> yes. And especially Babs does say it with a with a southern accent as well, which is uh, very cute. Um, anyway, there's a big problem, though, in Acme Acres. And the problem is that there's this giant black glob that is going and just taking over the entire place. Hampton and Plucky are on a lake and this kind of waterfall of blackness just starts coming in and taking over the whole lake, surrounding them. Plucky has a very weird eyeball through the beak uh, scream, which kind of looks really super weird. Uh, but I've never seen that before. So <laughs> good for them. Uh, they had a, a funny, they have a funny uh, bit right there where they're uh, on a boat and they're doing this like, you know, Plucky's rowing the wrong way. And um, Hampton tells him you're going the wrong way. And then he goes, okay, reverse. And then they both go the wrong, the opposite way again. So they can't get out They're They're stuck in the lake. Uh, B- Buster is playing a video game. Carrot crunchers. I think it looks very old school. Kids today would probably hate this game. Looks a little bit like Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Yeah. Mm. Check it out, crew. Top score of carrot crunchers. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special report. It must really be important to cut in on a video game. Very funny line right there. Babs, meanwhile, is singing her, you know, I dig rock and roll music. I dig rock and roll music and I love to get the chance to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. And which is a real song. I remember hearing that on the oldies song, you know, the thing that... I would play the actual uh, song she's actually parodying or singing, I should say. It's not even a parody. and uh, But I would get this uh, whole episode probably blocked on YouTube and stuff. So not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just Google the words, I dig rock and roll music. And you can find that song yourself, folks. It's a, it's a fun song. Uh, she first shows, so she finds out about this threat. Of course, changes into her Super Babs outfit says instead of up up and away she says up up and up some more she flies off she saves plucky and buster and hampton and says i'll take care of this i am woman hear me roar there's also a bit right there where it almost there's a little bit of part of superman's theme is played uh they do the orchestration in this entire episode is really impressive um i really loved it but obligatory, they, obligatory comment. Yes. The Superman theme is written by John Williams. That's right. <laughs> but they play the part where it goes da 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 da. This calls for drastic measures, but what can that be? Psst, bams. Oh, thanks. 
Let's see, I say Buster and those other guys, and the malevolent miscreant plunging us into peril is none other than the winterous Wex Wilter. Super Babs flies to her arch enemy's hideout, where she wears a disguise to trick Wex Wilter. I don't know why they designed the secret base like this, but it's designed like a giant toy top, like something a kid would press like on the top of and spin. I don't know why, you know, Montana Max or Wex Wuther would pick this as a design, but it was very colorful. <laughs> and she ends up getting information out of uh, Wex Wuther by dressing up like Joan Rivers and putting him putting him on her talk show, which Joan Rivers did have a talk show for a while. Just give us the scoop on your latest dirty deed. Well, my new project is the total destruction of Acme Acres. In fact, I brought a clip. Let's watch the monitor. He explains how he is actually, uh, he he's put an inkwell at the top. This is like total, like, I don't know if this is fourth wall breaking or, or what. <laughs> it's breaking some sort of wall here in Tiny Toons. They do it quite a bit where they, they refer to the fact that they are animated and the he actually went outside into the, I guess the real world uh, or he put a little hand gadget thing or something, right? Spilled ink onto the, 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 the cells. And that's why everything is getting surrounded by black ink. And I think it's all because he wants to start his own theme park. And as soon as Acme Acres is inked out, I'll simply repaint it as Rutherland, the unhappiest place on earth with plenty of free parking. You know it's the opposite of Disneyland when not only is it instead of the happiest place on earth, it's the unhappiest place on earth and it has lots of free parking, which I thought that is definitely the opposite of Disneyland (laughs) because they do not have lots of free parking. It is, I think last time I checked, at least $30 to park your car for the day, maybe $35. It's expensive. Uh, Anyway. Uh, he tells her that it's now time to leave you. Uh, oh, I forget her one weakness. He gives her her one weakness, which is carrot cake. And mm. she eats it all up and she she gets about 20 times her size and then tells her that it's time to leave you absurdly unguarded and goes off. So she puts in her Jane Fonda workout, which... I don't know, Kelly. I, I know my mom loved the Jane Fonda workout growing up. She actually had the Jane Fonda tape. I don't think if my mom had loved Jane Fonda, she would have been allowed to watch <laughs> Jane Fonda in my house. That's my true. father, loved, he used to have a bumper sticker on his truck that said, Vietnam vets are not Fonda Jane. So, I mean, I still don't even know what that whole story is, but his hate runs deep. Deep. <laughs> there's a st- oh, there's a story. Yeah, there's a the, oh there's yeah. The, there's a thing with Jane Fonda in, the, in Vietnam that uh, yeah. But at the, when I didn't know that as a kid, all I yeah. knew was all I knew was Jane. I actually didn't know Jane Fonda from any acting until I was maybe in middle school. I just knew well, her as the, I knew the she was married to, to Ted Turner. Yes, because here in Georgia, we we know who Ted Turner is, and right. I mean, he used to own a Cartoon Network and all that. whole thing wraps up here 
Babs jumps out of the into the real world too, and has a fencing uh, fight with Montana Max. He has a paintbrush of ink, and I think she has one of whiteout. And they and then she threatens to white him out. So he says, "Okay, okay, I give." And so he cleans up the whole town with a white brush. It's a really magical brush that he uses, but it doesn't white out stuff. It just <laughs> it erases the ink, which is a very cool brush. Uh, and then she goes, "Oh, it's just another job for Super Bab, something along those lines," and then flies off. And Ed had a line right here that made me laugh out loud. And so Exuthor restores Acme Acres to its original scenic beauty, thanks to Superbabs. I wonder who she really is. That shouldn't be too hard to figure out. Hmm, who do we know named Super? And <laughs> I thought that was so... I thought that was so ridiculously funny. I, did, I don't know, funny. didn't know why that... Uh, it made me laugh so much, but it was very funny. But that was about all I noticed in Super Babs. What did you think about this uh, first cartoon? Uh, Nathan, let's start with you. It was like Superman or Supergirl. Had Supergirl come out by then? Like yeah. Super- so. Supergirl's a bad movie, though. So. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if there was any homages to that movie in particular, but I never saw it. Even as a kid, I couldn't watch Supergirl. It was Well, that that's because you're a boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. No, I like, watched it. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I remember it, it had. I watched um, it. I remember it had Ducky in it, or not Ducky, but <laughs> what's his name from Two and a Isn't Half. Isn't Faye Dunaway in it? Oh God, I don't know. I know that Gene I Hackman. She... I believe Gene Hackman is in it. They were able to oh, talk. Really? Him, I believe they were able to talk him into at least maybe a cameo. But I think the majority of it is is um, who's who's the guy from Two and a Half Men? Not uh, Charlie Sheen, but the guy who played Ducky on uh, on Pretty in Pink. Um, you know who I'm talking about? I know, I, I know the face. Peter yeah. O'Toole. No, I don't know. Peter I'm O'Toole. At who's in it. <laughs> Peter O'Toole yeah, is in it. Yeah, Faye Dunaway right. was in it. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I don't remember much of anything of of that movie. Uh, I mean, I watched Superman one, two, and three as a kid. I never got to Superman four because that one was just it was uh, not good. Yeah, and the same thing with Supergirl. I was like, nope. But Superman was definitely like, uh, you know, hey, it was still a known property. And it was definitely, I think Superman was a lot more popular back in the early 90s than he is today. Um, at least that's the impression I get with kids. Um, what Kelly, what did you think about this cartoon, this first one? Uh, I think I kind of cut in and, and commented on things <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. he went over them. So um, I, I, oh, I know. So the ink blot. Uh, it sort of reminded me of the nothing in the never ending story. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because it's like, you know, was the lake dried up? No, the lake was just gone. Yeah. That's just super babs. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get into our discussion of the next one, which is duck trek. And Duck Trek was written by Jim Reardon and directed by Ken Boyer. And this time it's, you know, Plucky is is showing, is bringing them to a movie. What what happens, Nathan? Oh, boy. All right. Well, we have a, uh, well, it's a Star Trek parody. Um, and we have uh, Plucky as uh, Captain Kirk. We have uh, Hampton as uh, Spock. 
I don't know. I'm sure they have names in the thing, but I don't, I think I, they call him Spork. Oh, yes. Spork instead of Spot. Uh, um, and then like, uh, yeah, and it's just <laughs> Doctor Fur for Furball is uh, whatever the doctor's name is. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bones, Doctor Bones, right? It's normally, he's Doctor Fur now. Yeah, sure. Um, all right, and uh, they have a very important mission this time. They got to go to Follicle Four. Hello, cult heroes. We are fast approaching the planet Follicle 4, where we have been ordered to pick up a special top-secret material. A new rocket fuel? A new miracle serum? No, a new toupee. This one's all stringy. The mission is to get a new toupee for Plucky's character, because he wears a toupee. It's so silly. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So they have to beam themselves down, which, um, of course, uh, gets... I don't know, they basically get completely zapped by a little uh sweet what, what what's the mouse's name <laughs> sneezer sneezer what yeah, a different cutest... voice yeah i thought he sounded a little different yeah very different um and then they they're all down there with some red shirts played by uh shirley sweetie and soul sheepdog are all uh, wearing oh, is red that, shirts. Is that is that his name in this? I never, I, guess, I, I didn't yeah. even recognize him. Saul Sheepdog, <laughs> huh? Okay. Um, but uh, and they immediately get killed, of course, because they're all wearing red shirts. But um, you know, this planet's all covered in hair and everything. So they find their where their bodies were. It appears to be hair tonic, Captain. They're greased, Jim. It's like hair grease. It's a hair tonic. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the a giant hair monster comes out and oh my gosh let's all worry but spork tells us that uh he is uh, an intelligent creature that claims to be the leader so uh plucky decides to try to talk to him immediately gets crushed by him so they decide to flee and run away uh so we get a lovely chase scene the hair monster is on a a razor an electric razor that he plugs in and he's chasing out of him. Plucky takes out his secret weapon, which is a, it's a blow dryer. Um, But it doesn't work until he puts it at himself. What gives? I set this thing on gale force. It didn't happen that way in rehearsal. I don't know. And then they're, they're grabbed by hairs. They're being held in the air by the hair of this planet. Oh my gosh, it's scary. The hair monster is still coming at him. This is the classic hair monster from, you know, Looney We've Tunes. All, Does yeah, he have a name? Gossamer. Gossamer is his name. Gossamer? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he's he's coming at him. And, uh, you know, it looks looks uh, pretty worrisome for them. Uh, that's when Spork is like, hey, there's a lot more things you got to worry about um, when it comes to hair. I'm getting a tad worried, Spork. Do something! Certainly, Captain. But have you ever considered how many really serious hair problems there are to worry about? Split ends, for instance. Not to mention dandruff, flaking, and the heartbreak of psoriasis. And have you ever seen anyone with a really good home tournament? And what is Hohoba? And will your friends laugh because you use baby shampoo? Uh, all the hair starts getting going gray and falling out. Um, and uh, yeah, the planet just starts worrying itself bald, basically. Gossamer ends up crashing and uh and that they made it safely off the planet. I guess they probably got teleported up. We don't know because then they're just back on the ship. And uh Spork saying, you know, we got off with our lives, but the mission was not successful. Yes, but don't let it get you down, Jim. What's the matter, Doc? Afraid I'm going to 
flip my wig. And it turns out the uh, hair monster is uh, Gossamer's on his head. And he's saying, uh, eh, it's a living. And uh, that's that's how it ends. So he did get a new wig. So it wasn't a failure, as Spork says. We got a new toupee. Yeah. So successful mission. And they got out with their lives. So there. Exactly. And apparently they're, you know, Gossamer's perfectly okay with being perched on top of uh, Plucky's head yeah. for the rest of the thing. I mean, it's, uh, I'm guessing he's getting paid well. Eh, it's a living. Plucky, by the way, I loved his uh, William Shatner thing, how he has the toupee, not only like, you know, William Shatner apparently had during uh, Star Trek, but also his girdle is on the outside of his shirt, mm-hmm. which is a nice touch. Uh, there are uh, obviously Star Trek being the the main reference right here. Also interesting to see, I believe that's Rob Paulson doing Furball's voice, which is um, not the case in, you know, Furball number one doesn't usually talk that much. And when he does, it's usually Frank Welker doing the voice. So interesting to have Rob Paulson doing it this time around. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a uh, what do we got here for references? OK, let's see. I got Telly Savalas as the planet. When it turns around, it's all bald. Who loves you, baby? And I don't really know much of Telly Savalas other than I saw him in like some commercials sometimes. I don't know. Kelly, do you know him from anything else growing up? He was like in some kind of detective TV show. I yeah, think. we had like a lollipop or something like that. Yeah, right? Kojak. 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 I never watched it. I didn't either. Yeah, but, <laughs> but was I, one of the, I I read and I know things. Yes, but he was. I think Coach. I think yeah, Telly Savalas was for you know people our age during Tiny Toons was always like, oh yeah, that bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't really know what he's from. He'd just be like on. Oh, he's on Hollywood Squares or something like that, and like you know him from that. Um, uh, one thing I did also notice was the uh, the whole thing about will people make uh, Hampton's talking about all the different things that could, you know, to wor- make you worry. And one of the things he mentioned was, will people make fun of me if I when I find out I use baby shampoo? And there was a there was a baby shampoo um, ad campaign out in the 90s, I want to say, that was very much talking about like adults use baby shampoo, too. And and it's good, mm-hmm. it's good for your. You want your hair baby soft or something? Exactly. Right? Yeah. So it was like okay, cool. Um, the one thing I I do want to uh, uh, talk about real quick is uh, the fact that this episode there was a whole article written on it uh, from Comic Scene Magazine. Let's see when this what what when was the I can't even see what the publication date was on this. This was um, sent to us by one of our listeners on Twitter, who is also an amazing artist. Uh, I think it's uh, pixel kitties. I believe is, uh, is her at right there. Yes. Pixel kitties, intellectual duck web. She does amazing art of Fifi and just all these different, you know, uh, characters, whether it's Disney or Warner brothers, highly suggest you check her uh, stuff out. Uh, So this is from comic scene magazine. And, Pixel Kitties here <laughs> gave it to us. And this is 1990, it looks like. And there's an article in here uh, written by, or it's interviewing Ken Boyer. And it's very interesting because they talk a lot about this particular episode. And Ken Boyer, it says right here, um, uh, it talks about putting the show Bible together. And uh, they had to get all the character designs together. And Ken Boyer, who directed this episode, 
did uh, 14 designs and cleaned them up and put them in color. And he created the original design, model sheets, poses, and turnarounds for each Tiny Toon. And he reveals that there were stipulations, like all the characters had to have large feet and large heads. And that became a challenge to design the characters and still them, still make them look good. It seemed like a real stumbling block at first, but once we had gotten into the show, we managed to make it work. And he goes into some of the design that was challenging was like Hampton having this big head with short arms and how do you get Hampton to scratch the top of his head and everything like that. So very interesting. Also, you can see some characters from this uh, episode that weren't even really featured at all, or at least look different. So... It starts right here with uh, Plucky Duck. It says, Plucky Duck, a.k.a. Duckamuck, comma, Mucky Duck. Which I was like, okay, interesting. So Plucky apparently had some different names originally. And then it says Hampton. They show him dressed up in his uh, spork outfit. And it says Hampton, a.k.a. Hamlet. And then they have Sweetie. Well, I, think, I thought her name was Sweetie Bird, but it says Sweetie Pie right here. And then it says uh, Furball, a.k.a. Hoodie Tat, comma, Alley Tat. And then Fifi Lafume. Foul Mouth is next. And Foul Mouth looks very different than his final design. So Foul Mouth wasn't even in this um, cartoon. But uh, he has an a.k.a. of also known as Giblet. Yeah. Uh, Montana Max was also apparently going to be one of the red shirts in this episode. And then, what was that sheepdog's name again, Nathan? Because I totally forget what you said. Oh, but, like I'm supposed to remember that? No, I don't know. But it says, <laughs> instead of saying uh, the sheepdog's name, it says extra in red it's, shirt. Yeah, it's Saul Sheepdog. <laughs> okay, Saul Sheepdog. And then it has uh, Gossamer. It says Gossamer. And Gossamer also has another alien with him, too. So this is Gossamer and Friend, and there's this little alien who looks slightly familiar, like he might be based on another Looney Tunes cartoon, or maybe he shows up in another uh, Tiny Tunes episode. And then they have Shirley the Loon, a.k.a. Shirley McLoon. And Shirley looks not like a duck at all. She looks like, well, like a loon, like kind of like a different kind of bird, like a pointier beak and stuff. Anyway, interesting stuff. I'll put that stuff on our uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, stuff like that, just so that you folks can see it as well. It's it's interesting to see how the, the designs have changed. And Ken Boyer at the time when this episode was uh, actually made and he was directing it, uh, I think he had just come off of the cartoon Mighty Mouse, which a lot of the looks like a lot of the uh, people working on Tiny Toons had just come off of working on the New Adventures of Mighty Mouse, which was on, I think, CBS Saturday mornings. And I think it was only can I think it was canceled that for one season, but it was very influential on getting a lot of these uh, young animators uh, going. And Ken Boyer was only twenty is like twenty five or something. He was mid twenties uh, here when he's directing these episodes. So some cool stuff. Well, anyway, Kelly, what did you think? Anything in this uh, Duck Trek uh, episode you liked? I liked when the red shirts ran off. Because I'm like, I know what's going to happen. And then they were all like swallowed by the goo. Yeah. I like the <laughs> off funny. the off scream, off screen screaming, I should say, was uh, was very funny. Uh, Nathan, anything else that you noticed in this that was uh, funny or of note? 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like the uh, I'm a I'm a doctor, not a barber. Comment. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and get to our last cartoon. And it's just called Pasadena Jones. Although it's technically Pasadena Jones and the Secret of Life. But whatever. It just says Pasadena Jones on the title card. And (laughs) Pasadena Jones was written by Wayne Katz and Sherry Stoner. It was directed by Art Vitello. And Kelly, what happens here in Pasadena Jones and the Secret of Life? Well, it's a lot. It's action-packed. So Pasadena Jones is like Indiana Jones, obviously. And uh, shows up in the Himalayas, and he's like riding a long, solid line, traveling through the sky. So it's kind of like the the maps in the Indiana Jones movies, where you see the red line connecting the the countries, which is a nice, cheap, easy way to show him traveling yes. across across the world. And it looks cool visually. When last we left our hero, he was flying somewhere over the Orient. Someday I gotta get me a plane. And then he uses his whip and catches it on a tree branch. And then he climbs up and gets a map because he, he needs to know where to go. And he's in the Himalayas, which is more like Tem- Temple of Doom reference. Yeah. But then he's surrounded by a bunch of hostiles and they have spears. And they look very angry because they're hostiles. And uh, he sees Montana Max, but it's not Montana Max. It's Harris Harris Goulash. Pasadena Jones, solve me again. Harris Goulash, what a dweeb. But he looks like, instead of being like Belloc, he looks like uh, Tote. Yeah. Tot. It, how how do you pronounce that man's it's name? It's Tote, I believe. Because yeah. yeah. they never say his name, I don't think, in the movie. But no. he, he's credited T-O-H-T. So, um, so he looks like that evil guy, the German guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. So they're kind of compressing everything together. And then uh, Goulash steals the map and he goes off riding on a tricycle. And Pasadena says, oh, look, it's Merv Griffin. And Merv Griffin used to be, I mean, he's has passed a long time ago at this point, I think. But uh, yeah. he was like the producer, creator of um, Jeopardy. Yeah. Wheel of and, Fortune. And Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he had his own talk show for a time, too. So, I don't even remember that. Yeah. He had a, he had a talk show. And he's in uh, The Man with Two Brains, Steve Martin movie. Very funny oh, movie. Okay. <laughs> well, so um, so Pasadena uses a whip and then he, he grabs on to the, uh, the tire of the tricycle. And then um, they're, they're riding all around the mountain and um, sort of mimics the truck chase in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that goes on for a while. Then Pasadena rolls off the bike with half the map because they tear the map in two. Goulash smashes into a rock. And then you see the Bumble, kind of. I mean, it's like <laughs> the abominable snowman, but I see, I'm like, it's, it's the Bumble. Bumble. I was very um, confused for a second out of context when you just said the Bumble. I'm like, what's the Bumble? Oh, the Bumble. Bumble's bounce. Bumble's bounce. Yes. <laughs> abominable snow monster. It's the abominable snow monster of the North. Dun, dun, dun. And um, so, or he looks like, you know, Frosty the Snowman uh, on steroids or something. Yeah. 
Pasadena, she kind of yawns and takes out a flamethrower. The abominable snowman! and sets the the bumble slash snowman on fire and he melts and yes that is the uh mimics the uh scimitar wielding guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark when Indy just kind of like shoots something whatever yeah. i'm not fighting you i'm tired i love it that and, the, that whole thing came over didn't that come down because harrison ford was just like sick that day yeah and he just didn't want to do anything that's the story yeah like yeah. the only person who wasn't sick on the set that day was spielberg because he had flown in a bunch of like spaghettios or something yeah he was like he ate his own food yeah he ate his own food so he wasn't sick, but everybody else was. Jeez. So um, that's the story, but it's been corroborated by a lot of different people. So I don't, I don't think it's one of those Hollywood myths. No. So he's, uh, so he gets back to trying to find this uh, temple of the secret of life, and um, then Hampton starts yelling out where it is, and now he's got like a, a kiosk where he's selling tickets for it out in front. <laughs> Now, where is that old temple of the secret of life? Step right up, folks, to the temple of the secret of life. Step right up. Goulash shows up. He's found the location now, too. He buys a ticket and goes into the temple. But then he is beaten up and caught in a mousetrap. No, no, me first! Me, me, me! Okay, Mac, whatever you say. And then Pasadena goes in. They they're waiting on minecarts, like they they wait on the bus or yeah. a, a train. Um, so uh, Pasadena looks at his watch, and then a, a minecart shows up. And then um, Goulash also does the same thing. And then it's like this huge, big roller coaster kind of thing of the minecarts. And now we're back to Temple of Doom, and um, there's booby traps and spears flying at them and alligators and a giant eight ball now we're back to raiders of the lost ark and then they reach a big uh golden door with a question mark on it it kind of reminded me of like the little boxes in super mario brothers (laughs) me too i was like okay okay. (laughs) yeah (laughs) i almost uh, i thought when they opened the door go like (laughs) um so they open the door and uh it falls on goulash and, and crushes him and uh, Pasadena walks in and there's a gold chest and a voice asks him if he wants to know what the secret of life is. And he said, yes. What is it? Well, it's us. You? Yes. We're your friends. Friends are the secret of life. In the sequel, I'm going after some gold. And that's where it ends. Oh, I forgot. Uh, they also saw a shark. During the minecart uh, thing, and uh, one of them—I don't even remember which one says this—is uh, so lifelike. Yes. So that was also a Jaws reference inside the Indiana Jones. Wow, reference. a Jaws yeah. slash Universal Studios uh, reference. Yeah, it was great. 
so many things. Hal Spielbergian. Very much. And I think there's even a reference to um, Last Crusade kind of mixed in there briefly where um, during that tricycle thing, which is obviously mostly the, the truck, you know, parody. Truck ride. Oh, I know what you're gonna say when he pushes his face up yeah, against the he pushes, tire. Yeah, it pushes his face up against like the pedals. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is this from? I this is like this is itching something in my brain. I was like, oh yeah, tank. and the tank, and he's like pushing Indiana's face towards the tread, like he's gonna bash his yeah. Oh man, that's such a cool I love the what do you think is better, the truck or the tank? What's a better chase scene? The truck or the oh, tank? Oh gosh. You know, <sighs> oh, See, this is hard because it, it just I, depends on my mood. Yeah, I I think the truck, though. I mean, it's it's just classic, and um, it's uh, you know, there's so much so much going on. I, I mean, of course, the Last Crusade too, and and there's a lot more at stake because his father's in the tank, and then he's yeah. almost crushed against the rock, and I don't know. There's a lot more going on, but I I don't know. I yeah, it depends on which day of the week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're both they're both amazing action sequences, like top notch. Well, uh, let's. There was lots of other references in this. It starts off, but with, none of them matter as much as the Spielberg reference. <laughs> none of them matter. Uh, it starts off with Hampton uh, hitting this gong, and he's like, "It was just like this weird thing where I was like, okay, are they parodying Temple like, of Doom? It's sort of well, sort of. Uh, Temple of Doom. Yes, there it does open with a guy banging a gong, right?" And then it goes into anything goes, but uh, Rank Films, which is this company, had movies that opened with a guy hitting a gong. He had no shirt on, and he would hit this gong. And I, I, I'm not familiar with any. I, Rank Films made tons of films over the you know 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on. I'm I went through the filmography, and I didn't recognize really any of these films. <laughs> oh, it, it looks it looks like they did. Or I guess J. Arthur Rank was a guy. Yeah. And they did Caesar and Cleopatra, the one with Elizabeth oh, there you go. Taylor. It, so, I mean, a quick Google search shows that. So I'm, I'm familiar with that one. Yeah. So the, those films would open up instead of like the Columbia girl holding up a, t- a torch or something. It would be this guy hitting a, a gong. Uh, and so there you go. Uh, and uh, it, apparently this is also parodied. Uh, in, a, in an extremely goofy movie, apparently they do the same sort of thing. It has a lot of parodies. Uh, there's some musical uh, kind of uh, references in this one. Uh, when in a, he's flying over the Himalayas, the it's playing. At first, I thought, why are they playing for he's a jolly good fellow? Like that has no that makes no sense. And then I realized, oh, it's the bear went over the mountain. The bear went like the, going over uh. the mountain. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. That makes sense now. And then, of course, they play She'll Be Coming Around the Mountain a lot when they're going on the tricycle ride. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, let's see. Uh, we mentioned pretty much everything else. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I think – doesn't Buster call him Shorty at one point too? Uh, I think he calls yes, Montana and I, Shorty. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously that's a reference to Short Round from Temple of Doom. But it doesn't make sense no. in the context of the cartoon. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe something got cut. Or, maybe. I don't know, but or he's just using it as a um a diminutive to to make fun of him or something. Side note, I hope that short round takes over for Indiana Jones uh in in the future, especially because 
I forget the actor's name who plays Short Round, who's in Everything Everywhere All at Once, is amazing. He's, he who Kwan. Yes, he who Kwan, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. Uh, see that movie? You haven't done so already. He's he's really really. Cool. I mean, I I I'd be okay with Sean Patrick Flannery because <laughs> he's he's been indie before. This is true. Oh, I and gotta... so he'd still be playing Indiana Jones about twenty years younger than what Harrison Ford is. So yeah. I got to watch the next season of The Boys. It just premiered today when we're recording this, and I haven't Pat- watched it yet either. Sean yet Patrick Flannery's in it. So there we go. Uh, I I don't think he plays a very good. I mean, I think he plays a bad guy. I think so, so too. I don't know. Of course, almost everybody in that show is kind of a bad guy. Uh, (laughs) Or an anti-hero at the very least. Yeah, very least. Uh, Nathan, what were some things in this one that you liked? Oh, I just really liked having Indiana Jones. (laughs) Like, I don't know. The whole, like, um, it was uh, allusions to both, like, uh, Temple of Doom and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I felt, you know. Just everything. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, I love Indiana Jones. So anything that does that, and I, I named my dog Indiana. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I did like one part where you know Montana Max Tote, whatever goulash, whatever you want to call him, uh, he does this little like you know the whole Belloc line of nothing you can possess that I cannot take away, and then he goes ha ha ha, and then he goes away, and then he gives one more pokes his head in and says ha ha ha. I, that that made me <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> You see, there is nothing you may possess that I cannot take away. <laughs> uh, well, that pretty much does it for this episode. Of course, there's this whole B plot, you know, kind of B plot, kind of tying everything together, where it's Montana Max like chasing them around the theater, uh, which we haven't really touched on too much. I think at the very end, uh, doesn't he say, "I'm going to put these like spring shoes on" or something like that? I forget exactly. Montana Max he gets blasted out and goes like way up into the sky. So Montana Max had these spring shoes at one point, and then he has this pogo stick that he's going to stop the hopping, and it's like this powered pogo stick, and it uh, malfunctions, and then ends up sending him uh, through the sky, and I don't know, like into outer space or something like that. So there you go. That 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 was those little tie-in things. Have you have either of you, by the way, since theater hopping was such a huge theme in this one, have either of you ever theater hopped? No, like, all I, the time. I'm, I follow the rules. <laughs> Nathan theater hops. Um, I've theater hopped all the like multiple times. In my life. oh really? Yes. I've mm-hmm. never I've never done it because not necessarily that I uh, it's about following the rules, but. After I see a movie, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do something else right now. <laughs> ready to go home. Yeah, that's the hard part. Is it's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. I know. Nathan and his friends breaking the law and getting these multiple movies in. For me, I'd be like, look, I just spent two and a half hours watching one movie. Why do I need to? <laughs> I'd like to do something else today. <laughs> but, you know, maybe before one day before I die, I'll try theater hopping uh, before all the theaters close. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's time to go ahead and get to our water tower rating. Well, out of five water towers, how many would you give this episode of Tiny Toon Adventures? Nathan, why don't we start with you? Um, I'll give it five water towers, I think. Wow. I mean, it's just, I don't know, like, I really enjoyed all the segments in it, so... um. And just, it was just 
yeah, it was just fun, you know? All right. And Kelly, what about you? Five, because Indiana Jones and Spielberg references. Very good. Well, you know what? I was going to give it a four, but just for the sake of triple agreement, I'm going to say five as well. Five! Yay! Yay. I mean, yeah, this episode, I guess it could have been funnier, but in certain parts or whatever. But like you said, Nathan, it was just fun. It was just fun. I had fun watching this. I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't have any grown moments of, you know, ugh, that like that's a that's a too uh, what am I saying sarcastic or something like that. It's like none of this was sarcastic. It was just they were just having fun. They're just doing send ups to these movies that I like and uh, or franchises I like, and uh, you know it was fun. It was good times. So thank you so much to our patrons for suggesting this and voting on this. Because uh, we had a lot of fun doing this one. And next, we're going to do a Pinky in the Brain one. Which episode, you may ask? We don't know. <laughs> we'll have to find out when our patrons vote on them. And if you'd like to be a patron, you could become one as well. Go into patreon.com slash animaniacast. You get all that bonus content that we have with Tom Ruger and all the other bonus content. And then also you can vote for stuff like this. So, And also I need somebody to help me uh, pay for that Animaniacs Loungefly backpack I just bought. That's true. Kelly so. did just put a bunch down <laughs> on a Loungefly backpack. So I need the support. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and I can't wait for you to get it because then we get to actually have a little bit of a review for those people yeah, who are on the yeah. fence. Should they get... This lounge fly, should they pop down that 75 bucks or something down? Well, I, I have a bit of a lounge fly mini backpack obsession anyways, um, as, as you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I mean, I wish I could buy all the ones I like because they're so cute. Yeah. And I use them all the time at conventions. Yeah, and, exactly. And they're just perfectly sized for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I love them. So hopefully I will also love. I didn't get the wallet. I just uh-huh. got the uh, the backpack, but there is a corresponding or coordinating wallet. Well, there you go. That's on the Christmas list right there for Kelly. So get it. Well, anyway, no, I already bought it. <laughs> oh, you already bought? Well, not the uh, not the wallet though, right? Oh no, no. See, I'm it's saying somebody, the wallet. You have to get this. Somebody you... can buy me the wallet. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Well, let's go to get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people find you online? Oh, Joey, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Jingo FT. That's me. All right, and Kelly, what about you? I'm also on Twitter, Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S. All right. As for the Animaniacast on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and of course our Patreon, patreon.com slash Animaniacast. And we're a proud member of the Retro Zap family. And if you are interested in some fantastic podcasts and some amazing articles, then head on over to RetroZap.com today. It'll keep you busy. You can get a bunch of awesome podcasts and amazing articles. So there you go. You're welcome. And if you want to talk to us uh, over on the Discord server for RetroZap, well, here's the welcome link. It's discord.animaniacast.com. You can get on there and talk about Animaniac stuff or anything pop culture with uh, all the other folks from RetroZap. And, uh, yeah, do it. Okay, well... Let's go ahead and wrap things up. So, for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. 
This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademarking copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.